Chapter the Thirty Ninth of Poor Miss Finch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Poor Miss Finch by Wilkie Collins. Chapter the Thirty Ninth. She learns to see. With the new morning, certain reflections found their way into my mind, which were not of the most welcome sort. There was one serious element of embarrassment in my position towards Lucilla which had not discovered itself to me when nugent and i parted at the rectory gate browndown was now empty in the absence of both the brothers what was i to say to lucilla when the false oscar failed to pay her his promised visit that day in what a labyrinth of lies had the first fatal suppression of the truth involved us all one deception after another had been forced on us one disaster after another had followed retributively as the result and now that i was left to deal single-handed with the hard necessities of our position no choice seemed left to me but to go on deceiving lucilla still i was weary of it and ashamed of it at breakfast time i evaded all further discussion of the subject after i had first ascertained that lucilla did not expect her visitor before the afternoon for some time after breakfast i kept her at the piano when she wearied of music and began to talk of oscar once more i put on my hat and set forth on a domestic errand of the kind usually entrusted to zillah solely for the purpose of keeping out of the way and putting off to the last moment the hateful necessity of telling more lies the weather stood my friend it threatened to rain and lucilla on that account refrained from proposing to accompany me my errand took me to a farmhouse on the road which led to browndown after settling my business i prolonged my walk though the rain was already beginning to fall i had nothing on me that would spoil and in my present frame of mind a wet gown was a preferable alternative to returning to the rectory after i had walked about a mile further on the solitude of the road was enlivened by the appearance of an open carriage approaching me from the direction of brighton the hood was up to protect the person inside from the rain the person looked out as i passed and stopped the carriage in a voice which i instantly recognized as the voice of grosser our gallant oculist insisted in the state of the weather on my instantly taking shelter by his side and returning with him to the house this is an unexpected pleasure i said i thought you had arranged not to see lucilla again till the end of the week cross's eyes glared at me through his spectacles with a dignity and gravity worthy of mr finch himself shall i tell you something he said you see sitting at your side a lost certain optic i shall die soon put on my tombs if you please the malady which killed this german man's first lovely finch when i am away from her give me your sympathies i so much want it i sweat with anxiousness for young miss your damn mess fix about those two brothers is a sort of perpetual blisters on my mind instead of snoring peaceably all night in my nice big english beds 
are all wide awake on my pillows fidgeting for finch i am here to-day before my time for what for to try her eyes you think good madame you think wrong it is not her eyes which troubles me her eyes will do it is you and the others at your rectory place you make me nervous anxious about my patients i am afraid some of you will tell the mess fix of those prodded winds find its way to her pretty ears and turn her poor little mind topsy-turvy when i am not near to see to it in time will you let her be comfortable easy for two months more ach gott if i could only be certain sure of that i might leave those weak new eyes of hers to cure themselves and go my ways back to london again i had intended to remonstrate with him pretty sharply for taking lucilla to browndown after what he had now said it was useless to attempt anything of that sort and doubly useless to hope that he would let me extricate myself from my difficulties by letting me tell her the truth of course you are the best judge i said but you little know what these precautions of yours cost the unfortunate people who are left to carry them out he took me up sharply at those words you shall judge for yourself he said if it is not worth the cost if her eyes satisfy me finch shall learn to see to-day you shall stand by you obstinate womans and judge if it is good to add shock and agitation to the exhaustions and irritabilities and bedevilments of all sorts which our poor miss must suffer in learning to see after being blind for all her life no more of it now till we get to the rectory place by way of changing the subject for the present he put a question to me which i felt it necessary to answer with some caution how is my nice voice my bright clever nugent he asked very well there i stopped not feeling at all sure of the ground i was treading on mind this Rosser went on my bright boy nugent keeps her comfortable easy my bright boy nugent is worth all the rest of you together i insist on his making his visits to young miss at the rectory place in spite of that windy talky puff-bag finch father of hers i say positively nugent shall come into the house there was no help for it now i was obliged to tell him that nugent had left browndown and that i was the person who had sent him away for a moment i was really in doubt whether the skilled hand of that great surgeon would not be ignobly employed in boxing my ears no perversion of spelling can possibly report the complicated german-english jargon in which his fury poured itself out on my devoted head let it be enough to say that he declared nugent's abominable personation of his brother 
to be vitally important so long as oscar was absent to his successful treatment of the sensitive and excitable patient whom we had placed under his care i vainly assured him that nugent's object in leaving dimchurch was to set matters right again by bringing his brother back rosa flatly declined to allow himself to be influenced by any speculative consideration of that sort he said and swore that my meddling had raised a serious obstacle in his way and that nothing but his own tender regard for lucilla prevented him from turning the coachman's back and leaving us henceforth to shift for ourselves when we reached the rectory gate he had cooled a little as we crossed the garden he reminded me that i stood pledged to be present when the bandage was taken off now mind he said you are going to see if it is good or bad to tell her that she has had those nice white arms of hers round the wrong brother you are going to tell me afterwards if you dare say to her in plain english words blueface is the man we found lucilla in the sitting-room Grosser briefly informed her that he had nothing particular to occupy him in london and that he had advanced the date of his visit on that account you want something to do my love on this sulky rainy day show papa grosser what you can do with your eyes now you have got them back again with those words he unfastened the bandage and taking her by the chin examined her eyes first without his magnifying glass then with it am i going on well she asked anxiously famous well you go on as my good friends say in america first class now use your eyes for yourself give one loving look to grosser first then see 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 there was no mistaking the tone in which he spoke to her he was not only satisfied about her eyes he was triumphant so he grunted turning to me why is mr sabrites not here to look at this i eagerly approached lucilla there was still a little dimness left in her eyes i noticed also that they moved to and fro restlessly and at times wildly but oh the bright change in her the new life of beauty which the new sense had bestowed on her already her smile always charming now caught the light from her lips and spread its gentle fascination over all her face it was impossible not to long to kiss her i advanced to congratulate to embrace her crosser stepped forward and checked me no he said walk your ways to the other end of the rooms and let us see if she can go to you like all other people knowing no more of the subject than i knew i had no idea of the pitiably helpless manner in which the restored sense of sight struggles to assert itself in persons who have been blind for life 
in such cases the effort of the eyes that are first learning to see is like the effort of the limbs when a child is first learning to walk but for Gross's odd way of taking it the scene which i was now to witness would have been painful in the last degree my poor lucilla instead of filling me with joy as i had anticipated would i really believe have wrung my heart and have made me burst out crying now said crosser laying one hand on lucilla's arm while he pointed to me with the other there she stands can you go to her of course i can i lay you a bet wager you cannot ten thousand pounds to six pennies done done now try she answered by a little gesture of defiance and took three hasty steps forward bewildered and frightened she stopped suddenly at the third step before she had advanced half the way from her end of the room to me i saw her here she said pointing down to the spot on which she was standing and appealing piteously to crosser i see her now and i don't know where she is she is so near i feel as if she touched my eyes and yet she advanced another step and clutched with her hands at the empty air and yet i can't get near enough to take hold of her oh what does it mean what does it mean it means baby my six pennies said crosser the wager bet is mine she resented his laughing at her with an obstinate shake of her head and an angry knitting of her pretty eyebrows wait a little she said you shan't win quite so easily as that i will get to her yet she came straight to me in a moment just as easily as i could have gone to her myself if i had tried another wager bet cried crosser still standing behind her and calling to me twenty thousand pounds this time to a four pennies bit she has shut her eyes to get to you eh it was true she had blindfolded herself with her eyes closed she could measure to a hair's breadth the distance which with her eyes open she was perfectly incompetent to calculate detected by both of us she sat down poor dear with a sigh of despair was it worth while she said more sadly to go through the operation for this rosa joined us at our end of the room all in good time he said patience and these helpless eyes of yours will learn so i shall begin to teach them now you have got your own notions eh about this colours and that when you were blind did you think what would be your favourite colours if you could see you did which colours is it tell me come white first she answered then scarlet Crosser paused and considered. White, I understand, he said. White is the fancy of a young girl's, but why scarlets? Could you see scarlets when you were blind? Almost, she answered. If it was bright enough, I used to feel something pass before my eyes 
when scarlet was shown to me in these cataract cases it is constantly scarlet that they almost see muttered crosser to himself there must be a reason for this and i must find him he went on with his questions to lucilla and sir carlos you hate most which is he black crosser nodded his head approvingly i thought so he said it is always black that they hate for this also there must be reason and i must find him having expressed that resolution he approached the writing-table and took a sheet of paper out of the case and a circular pen-wiper of scarlet cloth out of the inkstand after that he looked about him waddled back to the other end of the room and fetched the black felt hat in which he had travelled from london he ranged the hat the paper and the pen-wiper in a row before he could put his next question to her she pointed to the hat with a gesture of disapproval take it away she said i don't like that crosser stopped me before i could speak wait a little he whispered in my ear it is not quite so wonderful as you think these blind peoples when they first see have all alike the same hatred of anything what is dark he turned to lucilla say he asked is your favourite colours among these things here she passed by the hat in contempt looked at the pen-wiper and put it down looked at the sheet of paper and put it down hesitated and again shut her eyes no no cried crosser i won't have it how dare you blind yourself in presence of me what i give you back your sights and you go shut your eyes open them or i will put you in the corner like a naughty girl's your favourite colours now 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 she opened her eyes very unwillingly and looked once more at the pen-wiper and the paper i see nothing as bright as my favourite colours here she said crosser held up the sheet of paper and pressed the question without mercy what is white whiter than this fifty thousand times whiter than that good now mind this paper is white he snatched her handkerchief out of her apron pocket this handkerchief is white too whitest of white both of them first lesson my love here in my hands is your favourite colours in the time when you were blind those she exclaimed pointing to the paper and the handkerchief with a look of blank disappointment as he dropped them on the table she turned over the pen-wiper and the hat and looked round at me crosser waiting to try another experiment left it to me to answer the result in both cases was the same as in the cases of the sheet of paper and the handkerchief scarlet was not half as red black not one hundredth part as black as her imagination had figured them to her in the days when she was blind still as to this last colour as to black she could feel some little encouragement 
it had affected her disagreeably just as poor oscar's face had affected her though she had not actually known it for the colour that she disliked she made an effort poor child to assert herself against her merciless surgeon teacher i didn't know it was black she said but i hated the sight of it for all that she tried as she spoke to toss the hat on to a chair standing close by her and threw it instead high above the back of the chair against the wall at least six feet away from the object at which she had aimed i'm a helpless fool she burst out her face flushing crimson with mortification don't let oscar see me i can't bear the thought of making myself ridiculous before him he is coming here she added turning to me entreatingly managed to make some excuse for his not seeing me till later in the day i promised to find the excuse all the more readily now that i saw an unexpected chance of reconciling her in some degree so long as she was learning to see to the blank produced in her life by oscar's absence she addressed herself again to crosser go on she said impatiently teach me to be something better than an idiot or put the bandage on and blind me again my eyes are of no use to me do you hear she cried furiously taking him by his broad shoulders and shaking him with all her might my eyes are of no use to me now 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 cried crosser if you don't keep your temper you little spitfire i will teach you nothing he took up the sheet of paper and the pen wiper and forcing her to sit down placed them together before her in her lap do you know one thing he went on do you know what is meant by an object which is square do you know what is meant by an object which is round instead of answering him she appealed indignantly to my opinion is it not monstrous she answered to hear him put such a question to me as that do i know round from square oh how cruelly humiliating don't tell oscar don't tell oscar if you know persisted crosser you can tell me look at those two things in your lap are they both round or both square or is one round and the other square look now and tell me she looked and said nothing well continued crosser you put me out standing there staring at me through your horrid spectacles she said irritably don't look at me and i will tell you directly grosser turned his head my way with his diabolical grin and signed to me to keep watch on her in his place the instant his back was turned she shut her eyes and ran over the paper and the pen wiper with the tips of her fingers one is round and one is square she answered cunningly opening her eyes again just in time to bear critical inspection when crosser turned round towards her once more he took the paper and the pen wiper out of her hands and thoroughly understanding the trick she had played on him changed them for a bronze saucer and a book which is round and which is square of these he asked holding them up before her 
she looked first at one and then at the other plainly incapable with only her eyes to help her of answering the question i put you out don't i said grosse you can't shut your eyes my lovely finch while i am looking can you she turned red then pale again i began to be afraid she would burst out crying grosse managed her to perfection the tact of this rough ugly eccentric old man was the most perfect tact i have ever met with shut your eyes he said soothingly it is the right ways to learn shut your eyes and take them in your hands and tell me which is round and which is square in that way first she told him directly good now open your eyes and see for yourself it is the sources you have got in your right hand and the books you have got in your left you see good again put them back on the table now what shall we do next may i try if i can write she asked eagerly i do so want to see if i can write with my eyes instead of my fingers no ten thousand times no i forbid reading i forbid writing yet come with me to the window how do these most troublesome eyes of yours do at a distance while we had been trying our experiment with lucilla the weather had brightened again the clouds were parting the sun was coming out the bright gaps of blue in the sky were widening every moment the shadows were travelling grandly over the windy slopes of the hills lucilla lifted her hands in speechless admiration as the german threw open the window and placed her face to face with the view oh she exclaimed don't speak to me don't touch me let me enjoy it there is no disappointment here i have never thought i have never dreamed of anything half so beautiful as this crosser looked at me and silently pointed to her she had turned pale she was trembling in every limb overwhelmed by what her own ecstatic sense of the glory of the sky and the beauty of the earth as they now met her view for the first time i penetrated the surgeon's object in directing my attention to her see he meant to say what a delicately organized creature we have to deal with is it possible to be too careful in handling such a sensitive temperament as that understanding him only too well i also trembled when i thought of the future everything now depended on nugent and nugent's own lips had told me that he could not depend on himself it was a relief to me when grosser interrupted her she pleaded hard to be allowed to stay at the window a little longer he refused to allow it upon that she flew instantly into the opposite extreme i am in my own room and i am my own mistress she said angrily i insist on having my own way crosser was ready with his answer take your own ways fatigue those weak new eyes of yours and to-morrow when you try to look out of window 
you will not be able to see at all this reply terrified her into instant submission she assisted in replacing the bandage with her own hands may i go away to my own room she asked with the simplicity of a child i have seen such beautiful sights and i do so want to think of them by myself the medical adviser instantly granted the patient's request any proceeding which tended to compose her was a proceeding of which he highly approved if oscar comes she whispered as she passed me on her way to the door mind i hear of it and mind you don't tell him of the mistakes i have made she paused for a moment thinking i don't understand myself she said i never was so happy in my life and yet i feel all ready to cry she turned towards crosser come here papa you have been very good to me to-day i will give you a kiss she laid her hands lightly on his shoulders kissed his lined and wrinkled cheek gave me a little squeeze round the waist and left us Cossa turned sharply to the window and used his huge silk handkerchief for a purpose to which i suspect it had not been put for many a long year end of chapter the thirty-ninth